Hi, I'm Charlie from CookingSecretsForMen.com and we are continuing our series Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders and I'm very pleased to have as my guest today Judge Derek Mosley. Charlie, pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, Judge Mosley is currently at Marquette Law School and we'll, we'll talk about law, uh, Marquette in just a minute. Um, he's on many lists and uh, one list that I did want to point out is a, a top 100 power brokers uh, for the Milwaukee Business Journal. Right. And not only are you on the list, you're the you're the <laughs> right in the center of the cover right. of the list. Right. So which was surprising. Uh, but hey, I'll no, take it. That's right. Um, so we were just talking briefly. So you grew up on the south side of Chicago. Absolutely. And I just asked you bears or white uh, cubs and you just you know, well, I'm Bears, but I'm White Sox. White Sox, no Cubs, no Cubs. White Sox, so White Sox, big Chicago. Um, went to Marian Catholic, absolutely, yeah. and then with this uh, undergrad School. degree in Iowa. Iowa. Yep. And then, um, so talk about your upbringing. Yeah. Um, other than being a White Sox fan, um, <laughs> and how that prepared you for the uh, next part of your your life. Yeah. So, um, what's interesting about um, what I do now in my whole legal career is that. Uh, I tell, I tell students this all the time. I always ask, why do you want to go to law school? Or why do you want to be a lawyer? And my reason, I'll tell you my upbringing. I didn't see any lawyers growing up. Never saw them. Never saw any black lawyers, let me say. And the first black lawyer I ever saw was an actor by the name of Blair Underwood. Oh, sure. And Blair played Jonathan Rollins in L.A. Uh, LA law. Right. Absolutely. And he was the first, first black lawyer I ever saw. And I just fell in love with it. I'm like, wow, I could be a lawyer? And you know, I fell I fell in love with it for all the wrong reasons, Charlie. Right? Remember, he he lived on the ocean. Right. He drove a BMW. He had this amazing life, and which really wasn't reality when he talked about big firm life. And so, um, that's what got me started with that. My um, my dad worked for at the time it was called Illinois Bell. My mom was uh, a secretary, and she worked at. Um, uh, remember Encyclopedia Britannica? Sure. Yep. And so she worked in Encyclopedia Britannica for a long time, then eventually went to a university called Governor State University. Uh -huh. And she worked uh, for, which is ironically enough, um, uh, her name, you know, you might have heard of Shonda Rhimes? Sure. Okay. With well, from uh, Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Yeah. So Shonda and I went to high school together. Oh, really? Catholic. Yep. Ah. And Shonda's mom, Vera, um, and my mom worked together at Governor State University. They worked there, but then the, the Bell system broke up. Right. And um, my dad was either you lose your job or you move out to Jersey for AT&T. And so the family packed up and went to Jersey a little bit later. I never lived in Jersey. By that time, I was already out in college. But, uh, yeah, I, was, I, I have a, young, a younger daughter, a daughter, sister, who's seven years younger than I. So we really didn't grow up together. And so I was a latchkey kid. I would come home. You know, I had a key, had it literally wrapped around my neck. I would open the door, close it, lock it, could never answer the door. I hate to say this, but I was like raised on TV. So I would sit down, do homework, and then uh, <laughs> was raised on TV. Uh, then eventually my mom was like, you know what, this isn't working. And so there was a, a library right next to my grade school, St. Joseph's. Mm -hmm. And I would go from school right to the library. And I would sit there, and it was the only place where... I could spend the entire day. No one would say, "Hey, you got to leave." I could read all the books. It was it was amazing. And so, I'm a big proponent of libraries, especially I mean, especially here in Milwaukee. So um, after you graduated 
I uh, got your undergraduate. You came yep. here to Milwaukee. Yep, absolutely. Um, and went to Marquette Law School, where mm -hmm. you at full ride. Right, which is why I'm here. Right. Because I, I applied to all those Chicago ones, DePaul, Loyola, right. U, U of C, all those schools. Um, but the money came from Marquette. So that's why I'm here. Well, we're glad that you did. Um, so you graduated in 95. Yep. And then you went to work as the assistant district attorney for Milwaukee County yes. for about seven years. Yes. So um, talk a little bit about that experience mm -hmm. and how it shaped your view of the law and uh, leading you to become the municipal judge here in Milwaukee. Yeah, so that experience at the Milwaukee County DA's office is the reason I had this love for Milwaukee. So uh, I'll break it down quickly for you. So I started off at misdemeanor court like all new ADAs do, but then I got sent out to, to children's court. When I was out to children's court, I found out that I was the only black male that these kids ever saw, right? The attorney was white, the judge was white, uh, the prosecutor was white, and so I was the only black person, male, that they saw. So I stayed there probably longer than your normal rotation just for that purpose. And then when I came uh, downtown, I started a unit in the Milwaukee DA's office called Community Prosecution Unit. Mm -hmm. And I had seen it, and it started in Portland. And the way it works is they take DA's and they put them in the community. So let me give you an example. So I was originally from Chicago. So when a cop came to me and he said, um, this happened on the 2200 block of North Palmer. The 2200 block of North Palmer meant nothing to me, right? Because I wasn't from here. So when I, when I started the community prosecution unit, we put DAs in neighborhoods. And so when someone said to me, the 2200 block of North Palmer, I was like, oh, that's Miss Johnson's place. Right? That's her block. Right. And so it, that's why I fell in love with Milwaukee because I was stationed in different neighborhoods in the, in the city. Harambe, Williamsburg, Williamsburg Heights, River West. Um, and I got to know the city. I fell in love with the city. And that's what started this whole thing about staying in Milwaukee and loving Milwaukee so much. And I also met my wife at Marquette. So um, after being a judge for 20 years, yeah, um, you are... You are currently, and you became the director. I have to get the director of the Lubar Center for Public Policy Research and Civic Education. I know it's a lot. Yeah, yeah it's a lot. Does he make you say this uh, you know, <laughs> on your is your business card? You need an extra large. It's all on it. It's even on my. Look at it's even on my. Uh, my, there, on my I, shirt. I just looked here and said, "Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot." Right. It's a lot. So um, it's kind of a full circle thing. Where you yes. Went yep. to law school at Marquette, right and now you're home. like the man in charge. Right back at home. It's great right. to be back. It's a homecoming. It um, so uh, how do you see the connections between um, your work as an ADA mm -hmm. and a municipal judge influence your role here at Marquette? What I do at the Lubar Center, our goal of the Lubar Center is first and foremost, we're a venue. Mm -hmm. right, so we are about a 300, 260 seat venue inside the law school. Okay. And it was started by Shell Lubar. And Shell just wanted to have a place where people got together no matter your political ideologies, your ethnic background, your race, your socioeconomic status, no matter what it was, put you in a room together with other people and to actually sit and talk about things that affect us every day, whether it's locally, nationally, whatever it may be. So that's what we do. So I throw all these events. I, we do it a number of ways. Ones are called our OTIs. We come on the issues. You might be familiar with that. My predecessor at the OTI piece was Mike Goucher, and he would bring in like news, newsmakers, um, local officials in, and we just talk about an issue, and then the audience gets to ask them questions. Uh, another thing we do is what we call the get-to-knows. 
uh, or GTK, everything's everything's initials. Our right. GTKs, <laughs> and the get to knows are basically more informal. It's just me, like you and I, right, right. now, just sitting on a couch talking. And I take people who are uh, who affect your life every day that you probably don't even know. So, uh, our first guest was Dale Kuyenga, who's going to be the the president of the MMAC, senior vice president now. But he's going to have a big influence here in Milwaukee, and for the most part, he really hasn't lived in Milwaukee. Right. So I wanted to get him in front of people so they could ask him questions. So we did that. And the ones that we're most proud of is our heritage dinners. So, because part of my thing is food, which you know. So, I so each heritage month. So February February was Black History Month. Uh -huh. So I had five African American chefs who came in, um, and they prepared five dishes that were introduced to the American palate by enslaved Africans. Uh -huh. And so uh, each chef, me and uh, Tariq Moody from 88.9, oh, sure. we would talk about the history of these dishes, why you eat macaroni and cheese, why you eat fried chicken. It, they're great stories. Uh, so that's what we do. So our models for those uh, heritage dinners are uh, meet someone, uh -huh. learn something, try everything. And so we just had one two Sundays ago for AAPI, for Asian American Pacific Islander Month. And we had uh, five uh, chefs representing Chinese, uh, Filipino, Hmong, Lao, and Indian. And same thing. You sit at tables with people you do not know. Okay. The chefs tell you why we eat this. You know, we eat Chinese food here, right? And the first thing they said was, we don't have sweet and sour chicken. Right. We don't eat sweet and sour chicken. We don't eat <laughs> shrimp fried rice. We don't eat those things. And so right. we ate traditional dishes of each culture. And you meet somebody and you learn something. Um, a study said that, um, that we don't interact anymore. We don't live in the same neighborhoods, our kids don't go to the same schools, and we know very little about each other. And so this political divide that we have, everybody's like siloed in their little place, and we're not willing to talk to each other. We call each other Wisconsinites, but you know, you might, you have probably know more about someone from Minnesota than you know from Wisconsin, depending on where you live. Right. Um, in northern Wisconsin, there are people who go an entire week, month, without having any meaningful contact with a person of color. That's we can't get a lot done that way. Well, that's it's a great point because in most of America, you live in the same neighborhood with people who think like you and look mm -hmm. like you. Absolutely. Um, you know, no matter what your persuasion, that's just, that's know, just how the nature of the beast. Right. Yep. So um, you are a kidney transplant recipient. I am. Um, and you're a big supporter of Donate Life I Wisconsin am. and the uh, National Kidney Foundation. So. Um, Talk about your role and Donate Life um, Hollywood, yeah. where you're, yeah. you, know, you talk with uh, uh, television and movies about how to portray the, the reality of right. yeah. And also, um, some of the obstacles you had to overcome with having kidney disease. Yeah, so, wow, Whew, that's a steep one. Okay, here we go. So, um, <laughs> all right. This so, is a wind them up and let them go <laughs> question. So, all right, so uh, in 2014, I was diagnosed with end-stage renal disease. And um, I found out that my kidneys were functioning at that point about 10%. And so, uh, but I didn't really have any outward signs of it. So, um, so I, I just called my best friend who's a judge in the city of Brookfield, or town of Brookfield, uh, Joanne Iring. And I told her, I said, hey, I just got back from the doctor. My kidneys are failing. I'm, I have to get a transplant. And before I could say transplant, she said, oh, you can have mine. Like I was asking for sugar or something, right? She's like, oh, you can have mine. And so I was like, oh, well, and this is my honest-to-God reaction. I'm not kidding. My reaction was, you are so sweet, but your kidney is not going to work in me, right? Because I was like, I'm male, female, black, white. I'm a big guy. She's really little. Uh -huh. I was like, this is never going to work. So she's like, let's just work it up. So we work it up. 
comes back a perfect match, right? Wow. So, um, so we had the, the, the transplant, but before I got the transplant, I was on dialysis because typically dialysis is three days a week, right? For like four or five hours. Right. I couldn't do that as, as a judge. I'm yeah. sitting on the bench. So I did what was called peritoneal dialysis. And so I did that every single day uh, for 10 hours a day. Um, and so it's, it's, it's one of the best forms of dialysis because you are cleaned out every day. Right. Whereas peritoneal, you know, it's every other day, like three times a week. That middle day, you just get filled up with so many toxins. It just makes you feel terrible. So I really didn't have that because every day I was doing it. But 10 hours a day wears on you. Yeah. And so, um, yep. And then I had the transplant on a freighter. I decided to go public with it because um, about 48, maybe right now it's about 48, 49% of the people who are waiting for a kidney are African American. About 10% of the people who are actually organ donations are or, organ donors are African Americans. So I went public for that reason to say that um, it doesn't matter what your race, your creed, your color, your how your size, we can give you a kidney. All our kidneys are interchangeable. In fact, our our um, surgeon um, said I had both kidneys in my hand and I didn't, I couldn't tell them apart. And so yep, and so that was. The reason I got really involved in Donate Life to get more African Americans as donors, to get more African Americans aware of what the results of uh, the kidney problem is. I got to go into this because this is historical. Okay. So, so <clears throat> the reason why the vast majority like I said wind them up and let right, let me go. You should let me talk. So, so, so here's the thing. Uh, the reason why there's so many African Americans that have kidney disease is because they actually trace it back to slavery. Let me tell you what I mean. So that trip from Africa to, to the New World, or to the United States, right. was called the Middle Passage. It was three months long. Mm -hmm. And you were in the bottom of a slave ship, chained to other people, very little food, very little water, things of that nature. What they found out, a lot, a lot of people died on that journey, right? Sure. What they found out are the people who actually survived that journey, but they're called natural salt retainers. That's why they survived that journey. So they come over, and they come over with other natural salt retainers, and they have kids who are also nat natural salt retainers. And then you have this high, this diet high in fat. I mean, high in fat and salt. So, I mean, the African diet, uh, the slave diet was a piece of salt pork, a piece of salted fish. That was the diet. Right. And so the kidneys, is, this is generational. That dates back to like the 1619s. And so, um, so we have a history of it. So now that we know that we have a history of it, what can we do to, to change that? And so then I also signed on with Donate Life Hollywood. Um, so we can stop telling stories about people going to Mexico and waking up in a bathtub full of ice missing the kidney, right? right. That doesn't happen. And so we, <laughs> we, we tried to tell I've seen those shows. You've seen those yeah, shows. We tell, we, every time I see something like that, I just cringe. Like, it doesn't happen like that. And so anyway, but um, yeah, and that's what I do. So I, I, uh, Your story is actually very well known in the community. I was sitting with some friends downstairs the other day, and I mentioned that you were coming in. I said, oh, yeah, he's a kidney transplant survivor. Oh, and good. And went into it. So, yeah, it's just, it, it's known, and, and you're a great spokesman for the entire um, transplant and, uh, you know, dialysis and everything. Because you, um, you, you experienced well, I it. I lived it. Right. It's so, awful. So, um, tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, so uh, I met my wife, Kelly, uh -huh. at law school. Uh -huh. um, she's an administrative law judge for the state of Wisconsin. Okay. So she handles cases on uh, people who are, uh, you know, trying to uh, get the state to pay for certain things, like whether it's a wheelchair, whether it's, she does those types of hearings. Okay. Loves, she loves it. Um, so she's a different kind of judge because the administrative law, it's all written. All the orders have to be written, uh -huh. which I would absolutely hate. 
because I'm a litigator. Just let me talk. Right. right? right. Don't you don't want me to write anything? Just let me talk. And so, um, and we have two daughters. I have a senior who graduates uh, next weekend uh -huh. from uh, Divine Savior Holy Angels, and she's uh, going on a scholarship to Loyola University in Chicago. Uh -huh. um, and I have a freshman who another daughter uh, named Kieran. So Callan's my oldest. Kieran's my youngest. Kieran is a freshman at Pius. She did not want to follow her sister at all. Right. So, she, so of course, my life is driving all around town. But so she's at Pius as, as a freshman and, and loves it. She's on the powerlifting team. Wow. And yeah, so it's a uh, yeah. We have two dogs. We have a uh, dog Rollo. I don't know if you remember Sanford and Son. Oh sure. But Lamont's best friend was Rollo. Always got in trouble. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. That's this dog. Always gets gotcha. in trouble. So we got Rollo. All right. So um, we call this. Uh, Cooking with community leaders, serious people with serious jobs, having a little fun. So you are a you are a known foodie mm -hmm. here in Milwaukee. Um, you know your restaurant recommendations are well known. I mean, I told you before I've followed you on social media for years, um, reading your your recommendations and stuff, and it's always you know, you're you're spot on with with a lot of the stuff. And I know that you take pride in um, having. Cultures reverse again, mm -hmm. sending white people to black neighborhoods, sending black people to white neighborhoods, Absolutely. and you try this place instead of yeah. staying where you are. Um, so we've had some serious foodies here on the mm -hmm. show. Before. I've had uh, Mark Monet, mm -hmm. oh, um, yeah. Wendy Bauman, Joanne Anton, oh, and yeah. they're serious foodies. But I think you you may be over the top of the list on that one. <laughs> well, I, it's really weird how that happened. You know, I, I well, that's what I was How did you get yeah. to be? Uh, yeah, so foodie. So I um, so first of all, the the restaurant industry here is amazing. Yeah. So when I had my kidney transplant uh -huh. and I came home, um, uh, Thomas Hawk, Chef Hawk, who's now at the Immigrant Room in uh, Kohler, sure, he had meals pre-made, ready for. So my wife didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to do anything. I just eat. Then St. Paul's Fish Company, uh -huh. they came, and for that next week, they had meals for me. And, and just the, the industry was just amazing. And so, and during COVID, you've seen, they were doing all the free right. meals, come to the restaurant. So I just wanted to support them as well. I mean, they're, they're trying to, we're, we're very, Milwaukeeans are very rigid. Like, Friday, I go to Kegels for my fish fry, right? That's it. Nowhere else. That's where I go for my fish fry. And so I wanted to try to... Um, get people, like you said, expand, go to different neighborhoods. And apparently the James Beard Foundation found out what I was doing and they asked me to be a James Beard judge last year. So wow. I was a scout judge for the James Beard Foundation. So I got to scout restaurants out. And uh, fortunately, I'd sign up for that job. That's a, a hard, terrible job. Terrible, <laughs> terrible job. Uh, but uh, yeah, and uh, fortunately, I just scout. I don't pick. Uh -huh. But fortunately, um, uh, Dane... Baldwin from the Diplomat, one best chef and right. best restaurant in the Midwest. So it was great. I love the Diplomat. All right, so uh, you and I uh, talked mm -hmm. uh, earlier a couple times about what it is we wanted to cook today. Yeah. And you deferred to you. Well, you asked me. You said, "Well, did you, about going to Italy?" Which we just came mm -hmm. back. Yep. You said, "Did you have anything that was really interesting or different?" I said, "Yeah, um, I had a couple things. One in particular, which I think." Would be good. It was a roasted uh, bell pepper stuffed, <laughs> stuffed with <laughs> spaghetti, uh, eggplant, zucchini, and olives, oh, and then breadcrumbs on top, and then uh, and a nap. broiler. Then a nap. Yeah, then a nap. 
Um, so that was from a little hotel that we went to in, we stayed in Sorrento called uh, Hotel Minerva. And I'm going to send this to everybody. So, ciao, Nino. E tutti albergo Minerva. Minerva. Means hello to everybody in Minerva. Nice. Um, so, uh, that's what I'd, I'd like to cook today. I'm excited. And so we'll, we'll go over to the cooking area here in just a minute. Let's get a chance to set up. I've done a little bit of prep work, so it shouldn't take that long. But uh, thanks for the... No. I mean, there's there's so many other things I could have covered with you, like the wedding. You're, you know, yeah, you're the wedding I have a wedding judge. today, too. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, just, there's a million things. So um, you may have to come back at some time. Maybe go outside and we'll grill something. Just do that. All right, great. Sounds good. All right, so we'll be back in just a minute. All right, so we're over here at the uh, cooking area. I should have mentioned we're in our auxiliary studio, which means we're in our apartment because uh, there's a graduation party from Marquette Nursing School downstairs in our community room, which we usually use. So a little more cramped than normal. So, and to make this stuffed red pepper, we've already roasted the red peppers, steamed them, and took the skin off. So they're ready to be stuffed. We've got some pasta here ready to go. It's already been cooked. Got a little red sauce that we will use um, with the pasta and the stuffing. So Judge, I'm going to have you start with the eggplant. All right. So we've got some oil heating. Yep. And it's probably already just give a test just to make sure where we are. Yep, glad I did. Yep. <laughs> you don't want to... So the egg, there we cut them into matchsticks. That was the way it was served us at the Hotel Minerva in Sorrento. Um, this is going to cook for a while. Yeah, and so we'll, once that gets a little bit of heat on it, and we're also going to, it'll go in the broiler for um, a couple minutes too. So After we, that? Well, after yeah, we do this? When we stuff it, it's going to go into the broiler. Gotcha. All right, so we're going to make sure we get, get a little bit. Don't want to waste anything. What else do you have in this one? This is the... That's zucchini. I might have to start with that pretty soon because right. this is getting... Ready? This is not messing around. Let's get this going. Now, I don't know what they told you. Did, did, I don't season these at all? No, there's salt and pepper here. Hit it with a little Absolutely. salt? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. We do want to season it because it's the pasta obviously not seasoned. Um, I know it looks like it's a lot, but that's what I... I I'm sorry. I got it. I got no. it. Make sure we got it. Oh, my God. It smells delicious. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, yeah. Why do we stuff it? Man, um, that smells delicious. Can I throw some garlic in? Absolutely. This okay. is this is it. Oh, SPG pearl pepper garlic. All right, from Grillaholics. Uh, we use it all the time. Make sure you got to give them their props. Absolutely. All right, and I'm going to put a little garlic in it. You don't like? Put let's put the olives in. Too. Oh, I didn't see the olives. Yeah, olives go in. Yeah, leave off the salt a little bit. With the, I didn't think about the olives. That's okay. So yeah, we got this is the inside, and so what we're going to do once this gets a little bit of heat, we're going to take the pasta. Finish it in with the vegetables, throw a little red sauce on it, and then we'll stuff the peppers. I'm gonna hit some garlic if you don't there mind. You go. I, I don't know about you, Charlie, but I love garlic. We have, there's a saying in my family, there's no such thing as too much garlic, too much chocolate, or too much butter. <laughs> so perfect. So go for it. Alright, there oh, we yeah. go. Alright. Put a little garlic in, salt and pepper, salt, pepper, garlic. And as the Dutch mentioned, there is a little salt in the olives. So. Yeah, but I don't want to add too much. All right. This is perfect, my friend. All right, tell me the next step. All right, so we'll take the pasta over here and put that in. All right, I'll let you put the pasta in. All right, so we're going to... And, and what, what did you do? Uh, just pasta and water? Yeah, I, I, well, a little salt. Okay. The, the Italians put salt in everything. So, 
and we also finish pasta in the sauce. Yes. I'm going to use this, mind, this glove here. Yeah, those are also Grillaholics gloves. You're a big fan of Grillaholics. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Charlie. Alright, so this is, so we're, we're finishing that off, and now, I'm going to ladle some sauce in. Right, let's give that a stir. Oh, this is outstanding. We want to cover, All not the drench, yeah. Yep. Get a little red. Not drench. Right, That's because right. we're also going to put some sauce down on the base and put the pepper on top of that. So tell me about this place that you actually learned about this dish. So this was the Hotel Sorrento. Um, ciao, tutti al Verago e Minerva. Um, it was a little boutique hotel, um, and they had this fixed price menu every night where the, every, um, everything changed every night. It was a different menu every night. So the appetizers the, uh, were different, the premium, the first course was different, it was always pasta, and the second course was always different. So we were there four nights and had four different meals, and it was, it was really good. And this was one that just spoke to me because it was oh so fucking good. All right, so I think we're good there. So what we're going to do is we're going to stuff the um, pasta into uh, roasted red peppers. I roasted on the grill yesterday, and you can see a little black marks took the skin off. So one thing I want to mention about these peppers, the first one that I did was this one. And as you can see, I just cut the top off. That didn't do such a good job. That doesn't really hold anything. The other ones, what you do is I just cut around the um, the stem with a little paring knife and that allows more to be stuffed in and hold better so I oh. think I think this one will not stand up as well and the others as you can see I just put a little the paring knife um, cut a little circle around pulled that out and pulled the seeds out so so the intention is it's going to stand up on its own well it's going to sit on its side, it's on its side okay right so this doesn't really sit on its side um, so that still looks so as I mentioned I I didn't get the recipe, I'm just, this is just something that I ate that I wanted to recreate. So we're going to move over um, to the uh, other side, put this together, and then we're going to put it in the oven and broil it for a couple of minutes with some breadcrumbs, and we'll be right back. Uh, the process here that we're going to go, um, we're going to stuff these peppers with the mixture of spaghetti, zucchini, eggplant, and olives. So um, this the one that I pointed out where I just chopped the top off, um, I may have that as a second course. Um, but <laughs> I think the way we're going to do this is you can see it's just the pulled the stem out. So I'm going to take this and kind of just twirl it in and get down in there. Maybe get a little bit more. I want to get some of the, the goodies. All right. Just a little bit. Teeny bit more. See if it fits in. So you said you, you went to this this place. Uh -huh. They served this, and they, and they just came out on a plate like this. Well, no, I, I ordered it because okay. it sounded it sounded. In, I loved all the ingredients. So so we're gonna go ahead and put these on a prepared sheet pan. That side, and we're going to little little olive oil because that is of course olive oil. Absolutely. And then sprinkle a little. Breadcrumbs on top, and then this will roast like this on the side. So, Judge, I'll get you to. I'll do one. Me. Yeah, I'm going to take this big one if you don't mind, because sure. I'm going to really stuff it. It was open for me. 
this in there, get in there, we go. And then twist, twist that in there. there you go. Ah, there you go. Look at that. Oh, yeah. We're, this one's going to be stuffed, my friend. <laughs> Let me get you some. I want some good stuff in there. Yeah, we're going to get that in there. Oh. So make sure you can see that, all that goodness. I want to top it off with just a little bit more on top, if you don't mind. Sure. All right, so we're going to stuff these other two, and then we're going to put them under the broiler, get the breadcrumbs a little toasty, and then I think I think we have to try them. Oh, I hope we try them. Yeah, we will try All right, so um, we'll be back after they've broiled. We'll sit down and give it a little taste test. All right, here we are. Um, Judge and I put together, it's a roasted, why don't you go ahead and show that? Yeah. Roasted. Um, Ooh, look at that. Red pepper stuffed with spaghetti, zucchini, eggplant. You have to um, hit yours with a little cheese on top. Put a little parmesan, parmesan reggiano, and on a base of a little red sauce that we cooked the spaghetti in. So I think it's only fair that we give it a taste. Let's do it. All right. I was so waiting. I'm going to, to my friends at um, Sorrento, thank you very much for serving this. <laughs> and I think it might be something I eat more than once. Oh. Oh. The pepper was done perfectly. Yeah, the trick with the pepper is you don't want to overcook it because mm -hmm. it'll just fall apart. That's, it's done perfectly. It's firm. That was, the, that was my hope. That's why the first one that I chopped the top off. That's why I, that was never going to work. This is dynamic. Mm. Mm. <laughs> now this is my joke about this series that I do. Is that I have some you know serious people with serious jobs come out, have a little fun. Um, we talk about your work in the community and you cook something and then I get to eat it. <laughs> well, it's a great scam for me. You know, the, the olives add a perfect Salt piece. Yeah, I was perfect salt piece. The chef there made some amazing things. The other one that I really love was a lamb ragu over really thick noodles. They were uh, more than pappardelle or Italian tay. Um, they were probably half the size of a uh, lasagna noodle, oh. and the, the the noodles just hugged all of the ragu and the lamb. It was so good. Oh, man. But this was a close second. Well, this is my number one. Well, Judge, thank you so much mm. for coming out. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. How can I say no to this? Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, it's, it's a pleasure. I mean, I've, like I told you, I've, I've followed you on social media for years. Um, your, your reputation as a foodie precedes you. Um, everywhere, you're, you're someone that the community just gravitates to. You have this, as people can see from our interviews, of this personality that just you know, is effusive and, and invites people you. to, um, you know, feel that they can approach you and talk to you and you're not this, you know, unassailable, um, high and mighty judge. You're just, you know, just a guy who happens to, you know, now you work in a law school. Right, right. I, um, I want to thank you for reaching out because if you didn't reach out, this wouldn't have happened. So, well, this is another installment of Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders. Um, next week, I have a very, 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 very special guest. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's three berries. I didn't get three berries. <laughs> well, I've been trying to get this this person on the show for quite a while. Um, she's uh, president of a local foundation. Um, <laughs> she's an excellent cook. 
and has so far resisted coming on the show, <laughs> but I think I've convinced this person to come on next week. Good. Um, <laughs> I wonder who that could be. Uh, it might be my wife. <laughs> anyway, so appreciate all your uh, support. Um, we're going to finish our stuffed peppers. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, please like and subscribe. Uh, check out all the other videos, especially the ones with our community leaders. Thanks for listening to another episode of Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders. Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders is brought to you by Cooking Secrets for Men, LLC, and was recorded in the Third Ward in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We feature and profile community leaders who are trying to make Milwaukee a better place. The tagline is, serious people with serious jobs having a little fun. Our guests choose the recipes that we use on the show. All of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get great podcasts. The original YouTube video for this episode is available on our YouTube channel, Cooking Secrets for Men, All Rights Reserved. Thanks, and see you next time on Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders.